0: The book of Acts chapter 16. As we continue our study in the book of Acts, uh, in our evening worship tonight, we'll be looking at Acts 15, but this morning we're going to look at Acts 16. We'll begin to read in verse number 5 for a few moments this morning. I will speak to on this subject, a disciplined approach for living on mission. A disciplined approach for living on mission. Acts chapter 16, we'll begin reading verse 5. I'll invite you to stand all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Acts chapter 16 begin to read in verse 5, the Bible says these words. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. When they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul. In the night, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and then the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And a certain woman called Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that Lord, I, I pray in Jesus' name, if, if there's any thing that the devil could use to, to distract us, God, and to capture away our attention and our will from what it is, Lord, that which you uh, desire to do today. God, I pray that you would just put that away from us. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, our attention span and our desire, our heart would be to leave different than we came. For the lost, God, I pray you'll convict them of, of where they stand before you spiritually today. Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit... Of God will do what only he can do to convict them of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. And God, we pray that they'll choose today to trust Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you'll strip away any apathy and indifference, as we've already prayed this morning. And God, we'll be serious-minded about living on mission in these days. And Father, I pray that the, the approach that we saw to see the Apostle Paul and his companions that they had as they went to Philippi, God, I pray that that simple approach would be ours in these days. We'll be very disciplined as we seek to live on mission. Uh, Father, one-on-one, trying to win people to faith in your name. Bless this time, God. Your perfect will be done in our hearts and lives today. It's our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Well, we'll look tonight in Acts chapter 15, and there's several things that really just that fit the purpose of discipleship we will go verse by verse uh, through Acts 15. We certainly could have preached a message uh, in an expository manner out of these, but it will really help us tonight to go verse by verse through it uh, to see some of the challenges that were facing the church in those days and how the Lord led the Apostle Paul to deal uh, with those. It's interesting in verses 1 through 4, we see Paul's introduction uh, to Timothy there in lystra and they continue on and but it's it's, we find here in acts chapter 16 just another another day on mission uh with paul different city uh but just just another day and paul's life was changed again in acts chapter 9 what god called him to do and he never got over it and so he recognized what the mission was and he gave himself to it the church was facing a lot of problems Uh, there were a lot of outside forces. We'd seen uh, hardship come from the outside, but now in Acts chapter 15 we see challenges come from the inside as Satan begins to try to sow false doctrine into the life of the church concerning the false doctrine of salvation. And so there were a lot of challenges and adversities. Paul continues on his journey. He's going back through cities uh, as he gets to Lystra where literally he had his brains bashed out uh, with rocks. There's, there's that thread. Is that going to be there again. And so there's challenges, there's, there's adversity. But verse 5, through the midst of it all, the Bible says that the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. People were being saved, disciples were being born, and they were growing in their faith in Jesus Christ. Every day there were divine appointments that were taking place where lost people were being confronted with the gospel. People were living on mission and were sharing a gospel presentation to them because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And so that's how the church was growing. It wasn't just that people were coming forward and signing a card. The church was growing. People were were responding to the gospel because people were sharing the gospel. They were living on mission. So these verses in Acts 16 reveal just such a day in the life of Paul where the Holy Spirit is at work in Paul's life, But he's also at work in the lives of those in whom he will minister. Over the past couple of months on Sunday night, we just recently completed a study on how to live uh, like a missionary. And one of the lessons that we studied was the impact of the Holy Spirit, his work in our lives. But I love this. He's also at work in the life of the listener. Not only is he at work in your life, giving you the words to share, being sensitive, guiding your speech as you listen, but he's also at work in their life. He's, he's, convic- he's driving his word home. He's, he's convicting them. That's one of the encouragements to me uh, as a pastor. Uh, I'm, I'm up here preaching, but the Holy Spirit's at work in the pew with you if you'll let him. If you'll let him. He's there to bring about God's desired will in your life. And that's what was happening one-on-one as Paul's on mission. So we're going to see today an encounter and an outcome that are directly related to Paul's disciplined approach to living on mission. And I want to remind you again, friend, if living on mission uh, is not something that you're going to be disciplined about, it's really probably not something you'll do. If it's not a goal when you wake up on the, in the morning and say, Lord, would you send me somebody today? God, I, I've got to go to the doctor here, and I've got this appointment, and I've got to go here, and Lord, I've got this meeting today on the job, and then Lord, I'm going to have to make this, I'm going to be on this conference call, whatever it is. But God, from the time I leave to the time I put my head on my pillow to go nighty-night, God, the, during this day, God, there's an opportunity for me to meet someone and to engage someone with a gospel. Would you so order my steps? Friend, that's a disciplined approach to living on mission. That's being mindful. That, that's, that is being intentional about trying to live on mission. And so that's what Paul was. The things that happened just weren't by happenstance. Uh, it wasn't just by a random decision. Paul was looking for those things. Well, let's see first off this morning, a surrendered will. The first thing that's got to be in your life, if you're going to have a disciplined approach to living on a mission, you must have a surrendered will. Paul was committed to ministry. It, it wasn't just an add-on. He didn't think that it would look good uh, just on his resume. Uh, you, know, he was, he, you know, there's this thing in... I'm still not sure what everybody's linked into, but I get all these requests all to to be linked into all these different people, and then they'll have their job pedigree on there of all the people that they're tied to. Well, you know, Paul wasn't just a professional tent maker, and then he thought you know ministry would be a good add-on. You know, he could get he could sell some tents to the church folk. No, first and foremost was Jesus Christ in his life, and so he helped make tents to help supplement what it was that God called him to do in his purpose on earth, and that was to live on mission. If you're going to be effective living on mission, you've got to see your life the same way. And, you know, I, I, I talked to the lady you know, when we first started pastoring, she, and she, she, her, her family was troubled. The, the generations in her family were troubled. And she said, if my grandchildren could just be a doctors doctors and lawyers, everything would turn out fine. I said, ma'am, I hate to burst your bubble, but that's not the case. They'll just be a lost doctor and lawyer. What your family needs is Jesus Christ. And then what your family needs to decide is what Jesus Christ wants them to do with that life that he's given him. And that's the approach the disciple has. We've yielded our life to Christ, so, God, what is it that you've called me to do as a vocation on the side, God, so that I can provide for my family so that we can live on mission? All right, God, you've called me to work this factory. Great. That's my mission field from 9 to 5. And that's the way you've got to view your job, not just, well, I've got to go to work. No, I get to go to work so that I can live on mission. My job is full of lost people, and so, God, I get to be a light there in the midst of all that darkness. You see, it really begins with how you see your life. And Paul saw his life as a second chance. He was heading in the wrong direction. He was persecuting the church. But in Acts chapter 9 he had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. And so his life was forever changed. His own mission. Every day from the time he gets up till the time he goes to bed, he's seeking to lead people to Christ. Either one-on-one or, don't miss this, what God had called him to do in large group settings. But Paul never got away from the truth that really the, God, the, the, God, the great commission is fulfilled in the smallest settings, in one-on-one conversations. That's where it most often happens. And so he had a plan. Don't you notice this? God had a better plan. So Paul wanted to live on mission. It was his desire to do that every day. But he was most effective because he had a surrendered will. He wanted to go, the Bible says in verse number 6, look at it. There are texts. It says now when they had gone through the region of Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is modern-day Turkey. This is the, the Roman providence of Asia. And so Paul says, hey, God's called us to share the gospel. Let's go down here and let's start preaching. But the Holy Spirit says no. This isn't where I want you to be. Well, did God not want those people to be saved? Well, sure He did. It's God's will that all people be saved. But God had a specific mission in a specific place that He wanted Paul to be. Well, He says, well, if it's not here, then we'll just go on, verse number 7, to Mysia. And then they tried to go to Bithynia. and says, well, let's, let's go witness to these people. Let's go preach the gospel. But the Spirit did not permit them. God says, no, you're not, you're not going to do it here. And so as they just continued on their journey, the Bible says in verse number nine that a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him and said, Come over to Macedonia and help us. What was the need? They were lost in their sin. And friend, I want to remind you, that's the great need always in the day in which we're living. I know people have physical needs. And I know there's there's needs in our country, there's economic needs, there's education needs. Uh, there's infrastructure needs. There's all these needs. But friend, still the greatest need that man has is to be born again and experience the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the great need. And that's what God has called the church to focus on. Sure, we can build relationships with people by meeting all those other needs. But if that's where we stop, then we've missed it. Say we pay somebody's you know, power bill. That's great. They can die and go to hell with a paid power bill. We, we give somebody a load of groceries that's out. If, if that's all we do, great, they'll go to hell with a full belly. The great need always is spiritual. We use every other need to build a relationship so that we can give people what they really need, and that's Jesus Christ. That's, that's the great need. And so they said, come, come help us. We're chained in our sin. We're, we're lost. The Bible says in verse number 10, "...now after he had seen the vision immediately..." We sought to go to Macedonia. And so as Paul ends up in Philippi, I want you to understand this. It wasn't just by chance or accident. It was because Paul was sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit because he had a surrendered will. Paul didn't get alone saying, Now, God, this is how my life's going to be. Okay, I'm going to have this job and I'm going to live this far from, from my in-laws and this far from mom. We're going to split it in between and then I'm going, to have, I'm going to have this retirement and then we're going to do this on the weekend. We're going to do this, 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 this and then God will fit you in everywhere else we can. I realize that's the theology of modern day Christianity but friend, that's not the theology that Jesus preached. Jesus says, if any man should come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow after me. It's a surrendered life. And if you truly have a surrendered will, then that means you have given all to Jesus Christ. Forsaking all, I take Him. That's saving faith. That's a true repentance from one's life. And that's not the focus uh, of the day in which we're living that fills seats. It's all about self and you and your special And you're important. A surrendered will, friend, says, I'm always dead last. It's Jesus first, others second, and I'm always last. I'm always last. And that was the case in the Apostle Paul's life. And so he ended up there not just by chance, but because he really understood what he wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5.18. And that's to be filled with the Spirit. That is, is the Spirit controlled him. He began that verse by saying, Be not drunk with wine or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I know it's a verse we say every week here at Greenwood because it is a foundational truth in the life of a disciple. Paul says, Like liquor controls a drunk. Makes them do things and say things and act in a way that they normally wouldn't act. It's contrary to them. He said, So we're to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That we'll do things and say things and be things that self normally wouldn't do. It's because we're surrendered to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He leads our life. He guides our life. And then and only then can we truly understand First Corinthians 2.14, the word of God, and so it can be rightly applied to our lives. And so Paul's filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is ordering Paul's steps daily. It's sad to me that so many people miss out on God's best. John 10, 10 said, Jesus said, The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, and I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. People miss out on that abundance. And the reason why is this. Don't you look at me this morning. Because people think they know best. They know best. Now, I've got to admit to you something. And I've told my parents this before. When I was growing up, sometimes I thought my parents were the dumbest people that I'd ever met. I don't say that disrespectfully. Well, They just don't understand. They just don't understand. I'm smarter than they are. I've got this figured out. I want to tell you something, every day that I get older, my parents get smarter than me, looking back. Because I remember a lot of those foundational things that they were trying to tell me. They loved me, and they wanted God's best in my life. And friend, listen, that's where faith and trust comes in God's Word. You you surrender your life. The Bible says we walk by faith, And not by sight. There's a lot of passages of scriptures, things you're going to come to, you're you're not going to understand, but by faith, you've got to believe God knows best, and so I will cast myself on God's word and I'll be obedient even though I don't understand. And God's best always comes to pass. God was ordering Paul's steps daily. I'm sure it made no sense to Paul. We've got all the, I'm, I'm already here. Don't miss this. I'm already here. I'm in Mysia. Why can't I preach to these people? Because that's not where God wanted Paul to be because that's not where Lydia was. You see, Paul had a one-on-one encounter with her. He wanted, he wanted her to be Paul to be where she was going to be at that moment. Why in the, in the grand economy? I don't know, but God does. But That's where God wanted her to be. How did I end up at this church? Because this is where God wanted me. some of you probably said before, why did He end up—not how, but why did He end up at this church? But I ended up here. It's because God wanted me to be. How did I find? How did I end up in Wake Forest, North Carolina, in somebody's kitchen, and look on a refrigerator and see a picture of my wife, and end up married to her one day? It was God was guiding my steps. There's so many things in our life If we, If we'll just trust God and yield our life to Him, He will order our steps and guide us where He wants us to be. But now listen to me. There's a reverse to that. If you're trying to guide your steps, and you've got it all figured out, and you say, no God, I want to do this because I want to do it, you're going to miss out on God's best. You're going to miss out. And there's so many people, I'm afraid, will get to the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ ain't going to be a big time of laughing and joking and hee-hawing. That's where we're going to give an account to Jesus Christ for what we've done and did not do in ministry. And I've wondered sometimes if there's going to be a slideshow of faces. You could have witnessed to him, to her, to her, to him. You could have met that family if you would have only been where you were supposed to be instead of where you thought you needed to be but you didn't allow me to order your steps. You didn't have a surrendered will. And so Paul kept moving through what seemed right and logical to him to where God wanted him to be because he had a surrendered will. What I'm trying to encourage you today is this, child of God, there are people that God wants to divinely link you with. But if you're ordering your steps and not allowing God to order your steps, you're going to miss that opportunity. You're not going to end up in the Philippi that God wants you to be in where Lydia's going to be so that you can engage that person with the gospel. So God not only has a plan for your total life, but for your everyday life. Every day, Jesus is desiring to work through you, not through chance, random events, but through ordered steps in your life. Uh, Scotty had one of those opportunities yesterday. There was a guy that ended up here on the property yesterday, and Scotty was able to to talk with him. Uh, There was a worker here a couple years ago. We were having some work done, and he ended up in my office by himself, and we were able to share the gospel with him and lead him to Christ. Was that by chance or by accident? No, God ordered his steps and had him there at the right time. He had us where we were supposed to be. And so every day it begins with us saying, Lord, this is a new day. And rather than, oh, woe is me, I've got to do this, 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 and this. God, how through this, 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 and this today can you intersect me with somebody who needs to hear a word from you? It's about all how you see your life. Paul had a surrendered will. First off, he was sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit as he had this surrendered will. John chapter 16 and verse number 13, Jesus said this, However, when He, that's the Holy Spirit, of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you of things to come. Church family, I want you to listen to me this morning. You cannot be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as a child of God if you have unconfessed sin in your life. You have to be clean. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, God says, I will not hear from you. But friend, there's a reverse to that. You're not going to hear from God. And so as God's trying to lead you, wants to lead you to the place you need to be, you're not going to be able to hear Him. When I was in high school, I started losing hearing in one of my ears. It became, it was just the oddest feeling. almost like I had a ring in my ear. And I don't want to gross anybody out, but my mom and dad took me down to the doctor. You would, it's like they flushed a rat's nest out of my ear. It was clogged with all kinds of stuff, and all of a sudden, then I could hear. Listen to me. That's what sin does in your life spiritually. It keeps you from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to hear those deeper truths of God's Word. And the reason why is this, until you deal with the sin, you're not going to hear from God. And there's a reverse to that. He's not going to hear from you. And so you can't be sensitive to the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit if you have unconfessed sin in your life. And then, not only that, friend, but you've got to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. When you are clean, you've got to, be, you've got to listen to what it is that God is saying and speaking to you. Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse number 2. God said this to the nation of Israel. Now listen, they've already been carried into the captivity Judgment has come, but God wants to restore them because God's not through with them. Because in the Old Testament, help me out, church family, it's all about the the covenant. And so even though the nation of Israel is being judged, God was still going to fulfill His word through them. God says, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house which has eyes to see but does not see. They have ears to hear. But they do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. And so, if you are clean, but you will not listen, there's a lot of people hear my voice on Sunday morning. I've been doing this long enough to know. They hear my voice on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday, but they're not listening. Some of you are checking your Facebook on your phone. You're thinking about what you're going to eat. Drawing little cute pictures, or you—you are out in La La Land, but you're not here. So you hear my voice, but you're not listening. And it's the same thing as we go to God's Word, friend, but far on a far greater scale. When we praise like, that, God, now I, I really want to know what you want me to do. God, I've surrendered to you. I really want to know what you want me to do. And let's see. And I've got. To be, and God's trying to direct our steps to open doors and close doors, but we have made up our mind. This is the way it's going to be. And if it's not that way, then it can't be from God. And we've completely closed our ears off to God directing us into the direction that He wants us to go. And in every... Remember, Revelation chapter 1 is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 4 is the rapture of the church. Between that sandwich and chapters 2 and 3 are seven letters to seven churches which represent seven distinct ages of church history. And listen to me. At the conclusion of every letter that Jesus wrote either to encourage or correct, and only two He didn't correct. He said this at the conclusion of every single letter, those who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Let him hear. Listen, God says, to what I'm trying to tell you. And so the reason Paul ended up where he needed to be was because he had a surrendered will, but he was sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And then he listened to what it was that God was trying to tell him and where to direct him. And then, third, friend, listen, he obeyed. He did what God wanted him to do. And again, friend, you say, well, you know, isn't it choice? James 4 17 says, to him that do good and doeth not, to him it is. To not obey the Holy Spirit is to sin against God. Whatever God's will is, you say, well, I know the major one's friends. It's whatever God, God may be leading you to do something that He's not leading me to do. And so if I did what God's leading you to do, then I would be in sin. And vice versa. It's not a blanket for all things. If I'd not come to this church, I'd have sinned against God. If I wouldn't have married Melissa, she begged and pleaded for months and months and months for me to marry her. If I had not yielded to that, if I hadn't married her, friend, I'd have sinned against God because I knew that's who God wanted me to marry. And so whatever God's specific will is, if you do not do it, it's to sin against God. You have to obey what the Spirit leads you to do. The reason Paul was going to be able to witness to Lydia is because he obeyed. He ended up there. He listened to what God said, and he did it. And he did it because he had a surrendered will. What God wanted him to do, he did it. Secondly, Paul had a... he he seized opportunities. Part of his disciplined approach to living on mission was a seized opportunity. When Paul saw the opportunity to pounce, he took it. He took it. When there was an opportunity for a shot, he shot. When there's a fish to catch, he threw the net. You getting the picture? When there's an opportunity to witness, Paul went for it. When he saw an opportunity that God gave him, he went for it. Well, notice now he's in in Philippi. That's where God has led him. God has ordered his steps. He's obeyed the Lord. Well, now it's time to go to work. That's what Acts 1-8 is all about. You shall be my witnesses. You are just simply tell people what you've heard, what you've experienced, and to share my word, what the gospel says, the, the good news of the gospel. And so the Bible says, in verse number 11, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Simothras, and then the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Verse 12 says, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colonial, a, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out, of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who met there. And it's interesting in verse number 13 as they go out to speak. This isn't the word, this isn't the word for preaching. Paul didn't have a message He says, Well, now that I've got you women here, I have some things that I want to share with you. If I, if I just have a he didn't open with a little joke, says so now I've got I got three things I want to share with you about seven. He didn't do that. They began to pray, and God had led them there. And so Paul always went for the religious people first. Because that's the easiest thing to do. And I, we, we saw that in our study and we were, as we looked on how to live on mission. One of the easiest things that you can ask somebody down here in the South is you know, you know in your personal opinion, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? Everybody's got an opinion on that. Well, where did you, what kind of religious background do you have? Did you grow up in church? you can start talking to someone about their religious beliefs, trying to get to a place that you can say this, can I tell you what the Bible says it takes for a person to be saved? And so Paul and those that were with him, they just go down and begin to engage these women who have come to a place where the Bible says prayer was customarily made. They knew there were going to be some religious people down here of some kind. And so, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they ended up there. They sat down. They just, friend, they slowed down the busyness of their life just to engage those people. Now, tell me about you. Ladies and we just got here. Y'all, y'all from around here? No? Oh, you're just here selling? Okay. Oh, this pur- what purple, what beautiful purple fabric that is. My mother's favorite color is purple. That's great. They, they slowed their lives down, and they got involved in those people's lives. They, they sat down, and they spoke to them. They just began a conversation, talking with them and engaging them. Paul seized the opportunity to build a relationship and share the gospel. He looked for opportunities. Friend, listen to me. 20 years I've been pastoring over that. Never once have I had someone just... Burst through my door and say, "What must I do to be saved?" That's never happened to me. It it never has, and so it's it's probably not going to happen that way. It may. It's not so much just going to fall in your lap and say, "Please witness to me." Here's the gospel track, and here's what you're supposed to say. You're going to have to engage. You're going to have to be looking for that opportunity. You're going to have to you're going to have to be fishing for men. You know. I've never caught a fish sitting in my recliner at the house. You've got to be on the boat and go fishing or standing on the bank. The reason Paul was able to share the gospel with those ladies and with Lydia is because he was seizing that opportunity. And so my encouragement to you is, you know, when, when, you're, when you're in the waiting room at the doctor's office. Seize opportunities. God, most people that are at a doctor's office, listen to me, they're either being seen or they drove somebody that's being seen. If they're in a waiting room, if, if they're having the best help they've ever had, they're in pain just being there. Okay? Nobody likes going to a doctor's waiting. If you do, you, you need to go to another kind of doctor. <laughs> and so you can always talk to someone, begin a conversation of some kind. You know, when, you're, when you're going through, the, you don't have time going through the checkout line, the grocery store, somewhere else to go through a full gospel presentation. But I can assure you, the person that's checking you out, they haven't had the greatest day. And you know why? Because they've been dealing with people. And just a word of encouragement. Say, listen, I don't know you, but I just want you to know, I'm, I'm going to be walking in my car, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to know God loves you. And I want to thank you for ringing up my groceries today. I hope you have a great day. You never know what God you may see that person again God give you another opportunity they may run you down the parking lot just cry and say can I can I talk to you it's my break but Paul seized opportunities that he had available he was observant he was intentionally observing opportunities 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4, one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. Paul wrote to Timothy, who he had just met at the beginning of chapter 16. He says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him to be a soldier. What was Paul saying? Paul says if that soldier is out on mission, but he's thinking about mom and apple pie and a warm bed and a warm shower and dry clothes, he's going to miss the enemy that's in front of him. He's going to fail to be faithful to what it is that he's, that he's been enlisted to do. And if Paul would have been thinking about his life and how he could sell more tents and maybe become more popular, you know, and how, how he could, you know, b- become the, the greatest missionary that had ever been, start some conferences, he would have missed that opportunity to one on one witness to Lydia. And if you become so engrossed in you, and oh, woe is me, and your life and how bad it is, you're going to miss those opportunities that God's putting in front of you. And there was Lydia. There was was a fish that was waiting to be caught. Every day, God will order your steps and give you the opportunity to engage in great commission work, reaching, teaching, and encouraging, if you'll simply look for it. You've got to look for it. And then you've got to pounce on those opportunities. We have a choice to engage or retreat into the busyness of a self-ordered life. And my encouragement to you in these days is, friend, don't don't retreat into your self-ordered life. Keep advancing forward in faithfulness, seizing every opportunity. Paul didn't live that way, and we can't live that way if we really want to see people saved. And I'm going to keep encouraging you. Friend, listen, I don't like the direction of our country, but I'm telling you based on the authority of God's Word, a new president, a new Congress isn't going to fix it. Only the gospel can change the direction of our country. God's called the church to be the mouthpiece to share that message, and we do it one-on-one. We do it one-on-one. And so Paul seized those opportunities. The third I want you to notice now a saving choice. I'm going to give you a a not-so-happy ending. This was a happy ending. You know, there Paul was, and look what verse 13 says. On the Sabbath day they went out of the city, the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. Here were all these ladies there, and they were praying. They sat down. They spoke to the women who met there. And notice what the Bible says in verse number 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia, she heard us. What did she hear? They heard Paul engaging and the others that were with him. Those ladies... With the gospel. Maybe ask you, well, who are you praying to? How do you know that he hears you? Have you ever heard about Jesus Christ? Well, that's that carpenter that they killed. Well, no, he was, he was more than just a carpenter, he was more than just a man. Paul began to talk about Jesus, he began to talk about the gospel. And Lydia, she, she heard all these things. She was, she was listening. She heard that verse number 14 says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the sea of Thyatira, and she worshipped God, and the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. What was it that she heeded? Jesus said, Except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Paul would later write in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. You must by faith confess Jesus to be Lord of your life from a repentant heart, with your lips. What you confess must be the reality of a repentant heart that trusts Jesus to be Lord of your life. Not Savior, but Lord. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Paul was sharing the gospel, and she, she heard these things. So it wasn't by chance that... She was there. God had ordered her steps. I've always thought that it wasn't by chance that I was just at a Sunday night service when I got saved. My mom and dad responded to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to train your child in the way that they should go so when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And they took us to church every time the doors were open. Wasn't it just, Do you want to go to church tonight? Are you going to be happy with that? It didn't matter if we were happy or not. We were the kids, they were the parent. We we're going to church. I started, I'm i not getting off on that, but I do not understand it today. How is that a choice? My steps were ordered because my mom and dad, who were responsible for me, made sure I was where I needed to be, that my heart and my life and my ears could be intersected with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so I was where I was supposed to be because they were responding to the leadership. It wasn't by chance that I was just there. I didn't just roll in off the street. Mother and daddy took us. And many other people, friend, that you're going to meet as an adult, God's dealing with them. They don't know it, but they're looking for you. God has ordered their life to intersect with you. He's leading you to them, but he's leading them to you. Lydia could have stayed back in Thyatira. But God had worked in her life by His province to have her there by the riverside where those ladies were so that she could hear the gospel from possibly the greatest Christian who's ever lived. God was at work in her life as well. It wasn't wasn't by chance. And I've noticed this. She seized an opportunity. She could have gotten up and left. She could have just backed out completely. But she wanted to be different. She wanted a new life so she had a choice to make now. She's heard the gospel. God's led her to this place. The Spirit of God is convicting her of a sin, righteousness, judgment to come. John 16, 8. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Paul told her what the Bible says it took to be saved, but the Spirit of God had to do His job. And convict her. And bring God's Word to life. But now I want you to listen to me. Then she had to choose. You see, she had free will. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning. If you've never been saved, God has done everything short of violate your free will to see you saved. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for sin. And God loved you enough, John 3.16 says, to send His Son to take your place. Literally, Jesus took the whipping that you ought to take for your sin. He took it. So he's already paid the price. You're here today. I'm sharing the gospel with you that God loves you. His son died for you. And if you will simply choose to turn from your sin in saving faith to Jesus Christ and trust him to be Lord of your life, the Bible says it doesn't matter what you Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But you've got to choose to call upon the Lord. He's done everything short of violating your free will to see you saved. But if you will not turn and trust Jesus Christ, don't you listen to me, hell's where you'll spend eternity. Lydia had a choice to make. You got a choice. And it's the same in discipleship. That's one of the things that makes pastors and ministry leaders want to bang their heads into walls. You see people building their lives on sinking sand. And you try, I mean, young couples, you know, today, the, the divorce rate is down. You want to know why the divorce rate's down in our country? Because nobody gets married, everybody's shacking up out of wedlock. People just getting in there and we'll just play house friends. You can't build a marriage that God's not going to honor if you don't build it by God's plan book, and that's the Word of God. You can't be the man woman, the man or the woman of God. God wants you to be the parent, the employee, if you don't do it by God's Word. But you've got a choice on whether you'll respond to it or not. And so Lydia chose. That was the saving Choice. She got saved because she chose to trust Christ to be Lord of her life. And notice the influence. The Bible says that her whole family did. Look at verse 15. And when she and her household were baptized, Paul would... You're going to tell me Paul would have baptized somebody? That he didn't think really got saved? She and her whole household... Baptism comes after salvation. I'm so proud of Shelby last week to realize, even though she had had gotten wet before baptism comes after salvation. She got saved and realized life in order to be obedient and right with God. She had to be scripturally baptized, and baptism always comes after salvation. And so Paul baptized, him. The, fam- the whole family got saved. So you got to choose. Listen, we're about to go to the invitation. I always know it's the invitation time because I'll see people start doing this right here. You think I don't see you, but I do. will not you listen to me this morning? If you've never been saved, look at me. God loves you. And I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to write a check to this church. We don't want your money. See, it's not our, it's all God's anyway. We don't want your life. Because that's God's. But what we do want to see is this. If you've never turned from your sin and by faith trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life, like Paul spoke to Lydia by that river, I'm speaking to you from the depths of my heart, and I will not tell you, just Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I think Paul probably told Lydia that. My life has so been changed by what Jesus Christ has done. And friend, he changed my life, and he'll change yours. But you've got to choose to trust him to be Lord of your life. If you've never done that before... Won't you do that this morning. It's the saving choice. It's not by accident that you're here today. God ordered your steps. That's why you're here today. Maybe somebody's going to listen on the Internet later. It's not by chance that they're listening. God ordered their steps to listen to this service later. And we've shared the gospel with you, but you've got to make a choice. So I want to invite you to do that right now. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want you to listen to me. If you've never trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life, do what Lydia did. Do what I did. Do what others in this room who are praying for you with all their heart right now. They don't even know who you are, that God's dealing with but they're praying for you. Choose Jesus to be Lord of your life right now. He loves you. He died for you. Won't you choose to turn from your sin and trust Him to be Lord of your life? Tell Him so right now. In a simple prayer of faith, pray just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe you died in my place on the cross. And I'm turning from all the sin that's in my life to you in saving faith. Be Lord of me. Take my life. Make me into the man or woman you want me to be. That's my prayer. In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. Our heads will be closed. Our heads will be bowed. Our eyes will be closed. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to invite you to make your way down to the front where I'm going to be standing. And I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Now, I want you to listen to me, child of God. You know you've been saved. Do you have this same kind of disciplined approach every day that Paul had to living on mission? Are you so surrendered to the leadership and sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life that you could even hear the voice of God? Do you have unconfessed sin in your life today that's hindering you from hearing from God? Deal with that today. Are you really seizing every opportunity or are you just fitting it in where you can? The Word of God and the Spirit of God is convicting you today. Why not yield yourself afresh and anew? And leave this place surrendered and committed to have the same kind of disciplined approach that Paul had so that you too can be that kind of effective Christian. I want to encourage you in this. Not every time Paul witnessed did it have a happy ending like this. We're going to see in Acts chapter 24, Paul tried to witness to a man named Felix, preached his heart out, shared the gospel with him. And Felix said, Paul, I'll hear, you, I'll hear about this later. You didn't tell him no, but he said, I'll hear of this later. And we never see in Scripture where we ever got saved. Don't let the devil discourage you. You're trying to live on mission. You keep living on mission. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. God, I pray you'll speak to our church. Encourage us today. God, help us to stay faithful to what you called the church to do, the main thing. God, I pray we'll be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, obedient, seizing those opportunities. God, I pray we'll see people saved. And even if we don't, God, I pray that we'll find joy in being faithful to what you've called us to do. God, I pray this invitation will not be a wasted time. But as you speak to men and women's hearts, we'll respond by faith that your best might come about in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.